Online communities, classroom culture, and personal relationships have something in common. Whether it's forming a strong emotional bond, feeling included and accepted, or having an attachment to others, feeling like we belong makes us happy. Ever wonder why? Join me, Dr. Eileen Winokur, for my bi-weekly podcast, Journeys to Belonging, as I discuss my personal and professional experiences with belonging and interview educators and others as they share their stories of belonging. At the end of every episode, I'll offer advice about how we can all feel like we belong. Hi, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Journeys to Belonging. Today, I have someone that I recently met online, but we connected right away. And so I'm so excited and really pleased that she said yes to being on my podcast. And I believe it's her first experience being on a podcast, but I bet it's going to be excellent because I know the kind of educator she is just from seeing her respond to me online. So welcome, Denise Furlong. Thank you for saying yes. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah. So I only briefly introduced you. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Well, um, I have been a public school educator for over 20 years. Uh, my experience ranges from kindergarten all the way up to teaching teachers at the university level. I am currently a uh, SIFE and English language, uh, English language learner coach, which uh, SIFE is students with interrupted or um, uh, formal education. And they are students who possibly come from other countries who have missed critical years or time in their education. So right now I'm working with teachers and I'm working with those children to kind of give them a sense of belonging and give them a sense of access to our schools. Yeah, that's wonderful. And I know we sort of met online as a result of your interest and my interest in, in teaching students with uh, interrupted education or who are English language learners because I've done that for a long time here in Kuwait also. So the first question I like to ask all my guests is, when I say the word belonging or feeling a sense of belonging, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Well, I go right to my students. Um, there's a, there was a time not long ago where they really didn't belong. Mm -hmm. And people really didn't give them access. And, um, and I'm getting emotional talking about it. I can tell, and, uh, yeah. You know, we work hard to make sure that they know that they're wanted and that they um, are really critical, integral parts of our community and our school. And, um, and that like their success and their progress is really important to us. And to be honest, in the past, that wasn't always the case. So um, we really work really hard to make sure that they know that they belong. That's amazing, Denise. And I can see how passionate you are about it because it brings up so much emotion with it. So that's perfect because that segues right into my first question for you. Um, obviously, like you said, finding a sense of belonging in a new country, in a new school, in a new 
situation is always difficult. And on top of that, they're learning a new language, a, a language that they're probably never, you know, really interacted much with before. So um, tell me, how do you manage that? You mentioned that that's something that you and your colleagues do and pay attention to. Uh, what are some of the things you do in your classroom to make sure that they feel like they belong? So we've been working a lot on that this year in particular. So one of the things that we do is that we're working to make sure that like the literature in the classroom really represents them. Now this year I happen to have um, mainly Spanish speakers, but I've had, you know, children from China and Bangladesh and, and, and all over the place. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to update our classroom libraries and our district and school libraries to kind of represent the the cultures and the experiences of these children that's number one number two within the school we want to make sure that those cultures are accepted i can say even as of say three years ago i witnessed one of our staff members saying no no we speak english in these hallways and, and it kind of hurts my heart yeah. and we've really been working with the different teachers and the staff and and to say, no, like we have to value their language. We have to value their culture. And, and yeah, like, do I want them to learn English? Absolutely, that's, that's a huge priority, but not at the expense of anything. You know, we talk about like uh, the target language being like an additive, not subtractive quality. Um, also within the schools, we have signs in different languages and we say welcome and, you know, um, the children within the classroom, especially my siphon, my newcomers are allowed to translanguage. They use, you know, they kind of go between the two languages. If you're really involved and if you're writing an answer and, and you really just want to get, you know, your content and your thoughts down, you can go between both languages and that's absolutely acceptable. Um, and, you know, we are using a lot with the technology too. The technology really gives us access to allow them to, you know, kind of express themselves however they feel fit. Yeah. Um, I, I love the fact that, well, several of the things that you mentioned, I think are really, really important to underline. Things that we really hadn't thought about a while back. I know when I was in the classroom teaching, which is about more than 20 years ago, uh, there was a lot of um, resistance on teachers' parts to allow students to translanguage, to use their native language in order to understand what was going on. I had a different philosophy because at that time I had already learned a bit of Arabic and so I felt comfortable having them and I understood from the teachers that they were worried about their students talking about other things and not <laughs> being able to understand that but truth be told and I told them many times that if a student is engaged they're not going to get off task. And if you watch their body language and could see, you can, you can pretty much tell what they're, whether they're on task or not. But there was still a lot of resistance. So I'm so glad to see 20 years or so years later that this whole idea is, is so important. Um, I think also if you can just tell me a little bit about how you use that in your classroom, because uh, I know that teachers sometimes think that students might use their first language or their you know, mother tongue as a, a crutch. But how do you see it in your own classroom? And what, what do you tell other teachers that when you talk to them about it? 
So right now what I've been doing is I'm supporting my SAFE and my language learners in content area classrooms. Okay. So um, in the past, like you've been saying, like uh, the teachers often felt that the children were talking about them or talking, you know, something nefarious with their dominant language. And um, really that's not the case usually. And you know what I have to say? And, and I am actually, I, I have a book that I wrote that's in oh, the wow. peer review process right now. And in the book, and I talk about this, you know, you gotta get over it. You gotta get over yourself. It's not always about you. And that's it. And, and what we do is we often leverage the native language to help the kids get access to the content area. Now, when they're in ESL class, that's kind of a different story. Um, you know, we do often use the, the native language if needed but that's kind of the focus is on English. When I'm in the content area, I'm focused on teaching the content and the language together. Right. So um, I think that the teachers are really appreciative that someone is coming in that's you know, kind of a specialist in, in helping these kids gain that access. Right. Um, at that point, in terms of the content, I really do have to decide what's super important for them to get and what's kind of like minutia that they can kind of, you know, skip. But um, we really do. We really do, you know, try to focus on gaining that language and that content, but also more importantly, their experiences, their belonging, their access. Right. Yeah. And I think it's also how we go about explaining to students mm -hmm. the use of their, you know, L1, their, their mother tongue uh, or the language that they're most familiar with versus learning the English. And I know at least in Kuwait, it was always difficult for students to have an exposure to the English language, except for movies and TV and things like that, because the rest of their day outside the classroom was all in their native language in Arabic. So having them and encouraging them, like you say you're doing, to really use that English language. I also like the distinction you made between the, the content area and the emphasis on the language and how you're using the language. So what I'm hearing from you is the intentionality that you use in terms of when you allow it, when you encourage it, when you discourage it, really because you want them to have that exposure to the language. Um, Absolutely. And, yeah, and I think, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, the, the whole idea of learning a language, you have to build your newest language on the language that you have. So, and like you said at the beginning, the validation of their, you know, of their identity is really important. The other thing that you mentioned at the beginning, which I think is something that people are becoming, teachers um, are becoming more aware of, is the use of literature and making sure that students see themselves in that literature. How did you sort of come to that? And what, you know, what are your thoughts about how teachers can, can really um, get involved in that or see that in a different way? So we started a book club this year, uh, a bunch of teachers in my district and myself, and we read uh, My Family Divided by D Diane Guerrero. I don't know if you're familiar with that book. No. Um, which is phenomenal. It's a memoir. It's, you know, um, and it's about an actress, uh, an American actress who um, 
discusses her experiences that her family was deported and she was here. And I really felt that that was a, a crucial experience for the teachers in, in our district to kind of read and discuss and really we took it apart and we really compared it to, you know, what maybe our students might be experiencing because many of our students, even our English language learners, especially in the elementary level, are American citizens. They were born here, they were born right in town and their families might not be. So it's really a, an experience that, you know, it's important for the teachers to understand. So what we've been starting is, um, we've been getting enough copies that all of these teachers after our book club will have copies for their classroom. Now, some of the children uh, might be too young for something like that. So then we might take that teacher's copy and put it in another middle school classroom or a fifth grade classroom. And what we're doing is we're trying to get the teachers so familiar and so comfortable with this type of literature and the story of these students that, um, that you know, we kind of are building the classroom library that way. Uh, we have another one set up for this year, this coming year, Efren Divided, which is uh, a novel, but it's, it's a similar, you know, um, take on the experiences of that our students might be having. So it's really important to get the teachers uh, talking, to get the teachers learning from one another and respectful debate and respectful, you know, feedback and stuff like that. So uh, really very engaging and very uh, educational for all of us. Yeah, and, and I think it's important um, because you, you're talking about helping teachers and supporting teachers and I often find that we're, you know, that there are expectations of teachers to do things, to keep up with things and so forth. And it's so rapid and it's overwhelming for, for teachers, whether they're new or, or, you know, are experienced and have been in it for a long time. It's, it's still, you know, if something new comes along or a new bit of research and information. And so it's wonderful that you have this support network because obviously then your teachers feel like they belong, which is a whole part of them being able to make sure that the students feel like they belong. So I, I love the fact that, you know, you're, you emphasize the professional development. And speaking of that, I, I read that you are also a, a mentor. So yes. I'd love for you to talk about that because I think mentoring is, is important, especially in the teaching profession. We, we hear that research or we read that research that after five years, many teachers leave the profession and, uh, and that's very sad. Um, so having a mentor right from the get-go is really, really important. So tell me a little bit about that and if, if you think it relates to the idea of belonging. Oh, absolutely. So I um, often am a mentor within my district, you know, whenever we have a new teacher in ESL or even Spanish and um, it, But I also started this past year working for Rutgers University, where they have an alternate route program and they are trying to hook up these alternate route teachers to teachers who are veteran teachers and, you know, um, who probably are not in their district, but are in their subject area. So um, it's nice to have somebody on the outside, 
that kind of can say, you know, I could tell you what the law is. I could tell you what the best practice is. I could tell you um, what, you know, possibly your students are going through or how to best, you know, reach them. And, um, and I had a couple, I had a, a handful this year, uh, all in different, you know, areas and uh, grade levels and districts. Yeah. And we really just kind of figured out what was best for each one of them and uh, took it from there. And really, it was phenomenal. And I learned so much from them. And, and hopefully they got a little bit from me too. But, you know, we got it, we got them through that first year. And, and every one of them was rehired and they're all coming back. So I'm really thrilled about that. And these are relationships that you kind of, you, you kind of take care of. And, and over the years, like I, I have mentees from 10 years ago that I still am in very close contact with. They might've left districts or they might've gone onto, you know, other things, but, you know, really like those are, those are the relationships that, that kind of keep us going in teaching because we do need those relationships. We do need each other and, and we do need to feel like we belong. We need to feel like we have someone that advocates for us that's on our side. Yeah, and, and when we are seeing difficulties, to be able to reach out to somebody that we can trust, so that whole idea of trust and relationships and, and forming that community, and it's, it's so valuable that the idea that, you know, after so many years, you know, teachers would still continue to reach out to you uh, mm -hmm. is fantastic because they see that there's that, uh, you know, relationship. And I know as a mentor, I've always found that I learn so much from my mentee that they don't even realize that I'm learning from them. Just, uh, you know, they're, each of us brings a talent and a strength to the relationship. And, uh, you know, my, my teachers were always teaching me different things. Uh, and I so valued that from them. So, so that, that's really wonderful. Um, do you know that, are you going to be mentoring again this year? Do you know? I hope so. Um, I have been in contact with Rutgers, you know, over the summer a couple of times. And, you know, I hope that I'm doing something like that again. And, you know, and it's funny how like the relationships kind of evolve because one of my mentees from so many years ago, now we don't really talk too much about school. We talk about our families and we talk about, you know, maybe her son is going through something that my son went through. And, wow. you know, you really find that support for one another. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, really terrific. For the teachers that you were mentoring last year, what was it like? Because I know that it was so rocky when everybody immediately in March or April went to online. Did your conversations with them change or? Yeah. So tell Absolutely. me a little bit about that. You know, um, a lot of it wound up being virtual mentoring anyway from the get-go because possibly they lived, you know, like a, an hour or so away from me. I had one that I was meeting uh, in person once a month. We would get together and have dinner and stuff like that. But once March came, everything changed. And I found that that was, you know, we were kind of like muddling through it together because again, I was a first year teacher again. So I yeah, brought, we tend to you know, those that, other perspectives right? yeah. and, and some yeah. of them, you know, we were sharing, you know, together all of the different platforms. And I would say to one, well, well, one of my other mentees is using this platform. What do you think about this? Maybe give this a try. And, and, and I was trying them as well. 
Yeah, that must have been an interesting situation for you to be sort of paralleling their yes. learning. What was their reaction to that? Did you have anybody sort of say, wow, you know, I never thought, or did you even think to yourself, wow, I'm, <laughs> I'm sort oh, of I I'm being mentored myself. <laughs> yes, and, and it was fantastic because uh, some of them, you know, some of them being significantly younger and newer to the profession, they yeah. had really much better, you know, technology skills than I did. Oh, wow. And, yeah. you know, um, they really, you know, we were really kind of saying, well, you're trying this platform. What do you think is good about this? And, you know, um, really sharing a lot of experiences and information and stuff like that. And it was fantastic. Yeah. Are, are you mentoring particularly the student, uh, teachers who are teaching uh, ESL students and ELL? ESL and Spanish, you know, and world Spanish, language yeah. and uh, yeah. ESL. One of my mentees was initially hooked up with a teacher who was in a different subject area and she actually went to the, you know, uh, leaders, the powers that be and said, no, I need an ESL teacher. This, this yeah. lady is lovely, but you know, I really need someone that knows what I'm going through and can help me specifically in that area. Yeah. So that worked so, out well. Oh, uh, that's good. So what are the particular things that you usually start off with? Are there consistent kinds of messages you give the teachers or, or particular yes. things you point out to them? That would be probably great advice to our listeners too. So what we do first is I, um, you know, obviously I let them know that I, I'm really just there for them. Right. Um, it, and it's going to look like however they look like. Like I had five mentees this year, each relationship and each dynamic was so different from the other. Um, and, and, you know, I said, my basis is, is I'm going to at least check one with you via email or via phone call once a week. If you want more, that's fantastic. If you're going to say, Denise, I'm fine. Just keep moving. That's fine too. And um, some of them I met in person. Some of them, it was all virtual. And that's the thing is that like, it's, it's got to be directed towards their particular needs. There's no one size fits all. And I think once they realize that, that I'm not just checking off a box, that I really do want to help them specifically grow and learn and, and, and support them, I think it's, it's a different dynamic altogether. Yeah. Do you find that you, you spend a lot, of, a lot more time listening than you do talking? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. And, um, you know, sometimes it's that they want advice or sometimes that they want answers. Sometimes that they just want, you know, someone to say, oh, hey, yeah, I've been there. You know, yeah. I understand that. And, and I got out of it too. Yeah, right. Yeah. Are there any particular activities that you would recommend for um, or things that you do, let's say, since we're getting ready to go back to school? Um, anything that you, you do uh, either every year or that you change slightly or things that you would recommend for starting out with your new classes at the beginning of the year to sort of form that community and make them feel Absolutely. like a team? Yeah, what are so, some of those things? You know what, which most, most, most important is that the students and my colleagues know that mistakes are going to happen. So it used to be, um, and even when I used to teach Spanish, I had to be very, like almost very firm about, okay, we're a family. 
and we're going to support one another and people are going to mess up and people are going to speak incorrectly and people are going to speak other languages and, and and you know what that's the thing is that this is all part of our own journey and you have to uh crash and talks about it as the um the low effective filter you have to make it so these children are able to try to produce the language even though they they're gonna mess up they're gonna know no one's gonna laugh at them in one of our social studies classes we were doing readers theater and um and of course you know i it, it was leveled and i i took the the um most simple you know uh roles for my students i took it we we practiced after school together we practiced the english and and the kids were so proud of themselves and, and the rest of the class we, I, we had students talking about it for weeks to all the other teachers saying, did you know that so-and-so was, was part of our reader's theater and, and they spoke wow. in English and they did so great. And, and you know, you kind of get all these stakeholders. The children, yeah. the other students become stakeholders, the teachers become stakeholders in the success of these newcomers. And yeah. that's my suggestion is to kind of just make it so it's the family. We have family meetings you know what, um, this is what's going on. And, and, you know, we need to just kind of make sure that we're supportive of everyone. And, and once you have that as like the, the no tolerance, no, you know, there's no negotiation about that, then you know what, the kids are gonna be trying harder to produce that language and they're gonna feel like they're belonging. They're, they're not gonna feel like an outsider. And, yeah. you know, and it's not negotiable and then once you have that set everything else falls into place right yeah and the fact that you're consistent with it consistent with the message and consistent if it happens to ha and if it, if it does happen in the class which it might and being able to to address it deal with it and talk about it but i i, I totally agree creating a safe space is the only way that language learners or any students are going to yeah. take risks you know, the shy student, the student who has difficulty with whatever, the student who's weak in certain areas, um, it, if that space doesn't feel safe, they're not going to step out of that range that they feel, you know, uh, is, is okay for them. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's, that's really, really important advice. So you mentioned your book. I, I know uh, it's not out yet. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yes, so uh, it's tentatively called Voices of Newcomers. And wow. what it is, it's, it's part um, how-to for teachers uh -huh. who, who um, might be newer to teaching English language learners. And it's part uh, almost like a, you know, using the words of my students to kind of just give context to, to everything. You know, um, my students talking about like their first days in you know schools in new jersey or, or in the united states or or their different experiences at home or some of the some of the difficulties that they've had and some of the joys that they've had and and i kind of just wanted to you know um rather than a, just a straight dry how-to i wanted to kind of engage the the teachers or the readers in you know what this is your why this this is this is what's important about this. And, and these are the, 
the words of the families and of the students and, and of the teachers. I have a lot that the teachers are saying too about their experiences and their changes while they've been working with these children. So um, I'm really proud of it. And, you know, we'll, we'll see where it, where it winds up going. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to read it. I'm excited for you. I had Thank no you. idea when I asked you that that was something that, you know, any idea when you think it'll be out or, uh, yeah? Well, it's in peer review right now. And okay. um, then I'm expecting hopefully in a week or two to hear back with some feedback and, right. and hopefully then we can kind of take it from there. So okay. yeah, well, you have to keep us updated. So I ha keep our listeners updated also. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. So any other advice that you've given quite a bit of advice already <laughs> about mentoring and about your students and to teachers? Anything else that you feel is really important that you want to, uh, you know, sort of add to what we've already talked about? Uh, be kind to yourself. Be kind to your students. Be kind to yourself. You know, put yourself in their situation. You know, um, sometimes we look back at our fifth grade selves and, and we forget how we felt. You know, yeah. or that middle school, middle school is tough for everyone. That's where I'm teaching right now. And yes. <laughs> add, a, add those other layers of insecurities and, you know, um, yeah. you know, uncertainties and, you know, um, yeah. but, you know, we're a team. We're a team and, and that brings it all back to the belonging. You know, we're a team and, and we welcome those new players and they might be the starting shortstop someday. Yep, you never know. Giving ourselves grace is something that I've learned from someone else in, in my PLN. Something that I've never really thought about, and it's really true. Uh, we, we need to give ourselves space and grace, and we need to be kind to ourselves, as well as kind to those around us, teachers and students, and, and all the people that we interact with during the day, our families Absolutely. included. Um, this was terrific, Denise. Thank you so much for being on my podcast today. Uh, how can people find you? Where's the best place to people uh, for people to find you? I am on Twitter and um, very cleverly, not so cleverly. Uh, my handle is at Denise underscore Furlong, F-U-R-L-O-N-G. And um, you could definitely reach out to me there. And I am very interested in expanding my PLN because like you said, we learn so much from one another. We do. Yeah, we absolutely do. Thanks again, Denise. And I really Thank appreciate you. your being on the podcast today. I learned so much, so much from you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Be sure to subscribe to my podcast, Journeys to Belonging. Um, and the next episode will be out in two weeks. In the meantime, you can connect with me on Twitter at Eileen Winokur, I-L-E-N-E-W-I-N-O-K-U-R, or on Instagram at Eileen underscore W. And you can also find my blog uh, at the website HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash cultures dot build. See you in two weeks.